Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. I'm here with Katie Helper. You can hear us every Wednesday at 7 p.m. WBI, you know the drill, 99.5 FM, WBI.org, SoundCloud, iTunes. And at iTunes, just rate and review us. Very easy to do. Patreon, patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show gives you some bonus content that you will love. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show. And I'm here with my uh, co-pilot. Gabe Pacheco. Hey, yeah, that's right. I'm back. He's I'm back. Here. Yes, he's back. Guess who's back? And we have a great special guest we're so excited to be talking to. This guy is really funny, really smart, really political. And uh, his name is Jake Flores. Hey. Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks. Smat. That took me a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jake uh, like is a comedian and he is the host of Pod Damn America, which is a great podcast. Thank you. Um, that we recommend it's, we're giving it the Katie Helper Show bump. I love kind it. of a big deal. Cosine, cosine, cosine yeah, cosine. Yeah. And uh, Gabe has been on that. I've been on that, right? Yeah, yeah, I, think, that, yeah. I think you've been on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. Both, both of you guys we have. can check yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me just let this yeah, it's verified. Yeah. So let's see. Let's before we get into what makes you tick, Jake, which okay. is of course the question we ask all of our guests. Uh, let's talk a little. bit. We're gonna bit. get real deep. We're gonna get real deep. Let's start off with talking about travel because Gabe, you've been traveling quite a bit. Lately. I'm a I'm a jet set fancy boy. Yes, I have. Yeah. I just got back from a week long tour in North Carolina, which was amazing. And uh, but before that, I went to Amsterdam for a week. And wow! Oh my God, it's. It's really puts this country to shame. How so? Everything about <laughs> everything about it. First off, uh, I uh, have a huge fear of riding bicycles here, especially in the U.S. And um, you know, in New York City in particular, I'd say like within the last decade, it's gotten safer. But uh, when I first got here, there were tons of white bicycle memorials all over just to commemorate um, all of the people that that got hit by trucks. Uh, in the city, you know, so bike riding in New York has like always been unsafe and I guess it's better now, but when you go to Amsterdam, I mean, I, I got back on a bicycle after like maybe 15 years and, uh, I biked every single day I was there. I loved it. It's all beach cruisers. No one's going over like six miles an hour. It's, it's amazing. And I feel like anyone who's a mayor in New York should go to Amsterdam and uh, crib notes on how the street should be set up here. Interesting. So, okay, you're saying, because, you know, we like to speak truth to power at the Katie Helper Show. <laughs> we do. We, we punch up we exclusively. Punch up, yeah. And one thing I got to say is that, you know, what's a total myth. It's a total lie. And everyone smear it, spreads it. One, it's like riding a bicycle. Yeah. Once you learn, you, uh, you don't forget how to do it. Total yeah. lie. I used to ride a bicycle. What happened? Okay. I, I had a little bit of a trauma, not a big deal. I, I went, I was riding a bicycle once in Riverside Park, and um, I think somehow I missed the whole lesson about the way you stop. And I was going down a hill, and it was a red light. And I remember thinking, I was probably like six, and I remember thinking, I have to stop, or else I'm going to go into traffic and get killed, or hit at least. And so I put my feet down. I didn't know about the whole thing where you like pedal backwards. And I put my feet down. And of course, I stopped suddenly. The bike went, kept going, and I scraped my cheek. And I had my cousin's, my mom's cousin's wedding, and I was a flower girl, and I Whoa. wore sunglasses, <laughs> and a big scrape, and I was yeah. so sad. And um, then, yeah, I guess it, it kind of scared me off of bicycles. And then I tried to do it again, and it didn't like. I think it took, 
And I, I bicycled a little bit. Then I had back surgery and I couldn't do a lot of things. And I tried to do it again and it didn't work. And now I didn't give it that long of like, I didn't put that much effort into it. I think I was too angry with the lie that is sold. That is, it's like riding a bike. Like yeah. that your body doesn't forget that memory. It is annoying that that's a cliche. It's right, very insulting to people that forgot how to ride you. a bike. We well, are like invisibilized. It's like yeah. we don't matter. <laughs> yeah. I think I saw something online. Hillary made me sound like I didn't know how to ride a bike. Yes. You, uh, <laughs> you had like a bike redemption story that was online. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I was just going to say this is interesting. We all have bike issues. Um, yeah. I didn't. I taught myself to ride a bike when I was like 25 because I yeah. just had never... Dude, that's like somebody who gets out of co- uh, out of prison and like teaches himself how to read. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, you're like the Malcolm X of bike riding. <laughs> I that's what I call myself yeah. in any context. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, so, you know, I've I'm into it since I only when I'm like that was like six years ago. I'm yeah. like uh, still very freshly into bikes and uh, work as a bike like messenger and stuff. But I, um, yeah, I had my bike stolen last year from in front of my apartment and. Um, on New Year's Eve, this last New Year's Eve, you know, when we were at the end of another, yet another year where everyone was yelling like, man, 2017, you know? Yeah. Um, we, this, we got this new 2017 thing is trash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a dumpster fire. Um, we were doing, everyone was doing that shit again. Uh, you know, the feeling was definitely about, but um, I was drunk and I was walking to a New Year's Eve party and I found my bike and I I turned to, I was literally next to a cop and I'm like, yeah, I was, as we'll get into, not a huge fan, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and I, Hot take. I turned to this cop and I'm like, hey, just out of curiosity, like, I, it, let's, I found my bike. Like, I found my stolen bike. It's right here. I can prove it's mine. And the guy just went like, uh, you don't have a receipt or whatever. And he walked away. I grabbed another one. Same thing happened. Um, you know, grabbed I grabbed another bike or a cop. cop and I said, like, I can prove this. Right. And the first guy said, oh, you don't have a receipt. And I was like, well, I, I made it. Like, I, I built this bike. You can't. I would be the person who right. gives you the receipt, you know. But I have, like, pictures of it from years ago and stuff. It's got this really unique paint job and everything. Anyway cops wouldn't help so um you had to take the law into your own hands peppermint to come and help you out with that yeah so i went and i just the whole thing it's a long story i'm gonna think i tell it at the moth soon i think because it's like a it's one of my like five in the pocket oh, barroom awesome. stories or whatever but um i went and i grabbed another bike from like my job drunk running through bushwick and i locked it to the bike and the pole all together and i left this note that was like hey you know if you stole this like i i just want to know who you got it from and uh you know there's cameras around but it doesn't matter you know like you don't how do you need the bike but here's my phone number and i came back the next morning you know wicked new year's day hangover and they had given it back whoa they took the chain off of it and they were just they like set it free yeah <laughs> that's that is redemption it was cool i still got this bike that's restorative justice yeah that's uh bicycle based restorative justice <laughs> restorative yeah. justice on wheels Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a way to start 2018, right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. And then it's been going great ever since. <laughs> yeah. All up, all uphill or downhill, whichever <laughs> you want to do. I don't know. But you know, I have something to say about bicycles in Amsterdam and bicycles in general. Like, I like that we have more bicycle lanes here in New York City. Yeah, I'm happy, and I know I'm supposed to be for it, but I feel like they are a danger. Like, I don't know which is more of a threat to like democracy and freedom and safety. <laughs> these new bike lanes or Donald Trump, like on a global level, I think Donald Trump, but in terms of my life personally, I feel like they pose a greater threat 
Like I feel like I'm walking down the street a lot and there's a bike. I'm gonna mm. I'm, I'm gonna acknowledge a couple things okay. and, and then I'm gonna push back. Okay. One is that uh, bikers in the U.S. everything in the U.S. is extreme. Like we we're all like you know we work hard, we hashtag, we hustle, we grind. Right. Like even with bike riding, you know you get the nicest uh, lightweight vehicle, then you put on your Milli Vanilli bicycle shorts. You got to mm-hmm. have a helmet. Everyone's got to have helmets. You got to have mirrors on the sides of your helmets and uh, bike gloves <laughs> and a giant industrial chain. And but the thing is, is like in Amsterdam, everybody is it's all all beach cruisers so they're all using like not it's not state-of-the-art there's no status with your bike everybody wants their bikes to look the most beat up possible and one of the magical things and no one wears a helmet i asked my friend how many people have died from yeah. bicycle related accidents and the city's got i think eight hundred thousand people it's not as big as new york but he he was like maybe six i think maybe six people died and i make up numbers all yeah. the time <laughs> but literally i didn't see anybody get hurt on a, some bikes fall in the canals, but it's but Wait, that's with people d- on drunken, them? drunkenness. Drunken driving. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Amsterdamian. That's Dutch drunk driving. Yeah, yeah, I think that's just how they get rid of bikes when they don't want them anymore. Right. They yeah. just toss them in the canal. But here, uh, bike riders are move faster, and there's less of them, so it's qu- not quite as normalized. Right, and apparently, when you don't wear a helmet, I've heard you, you get fined. No, no, no. Like in general, when you're not wearing a helmet. Drivers are more are more careful when they see you somehow, but that's that's go, going back. Well, to Well, that's your why issue. we yeah. should get rid of uh, seatbelts as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and because, airbags. Right. Everyone needs to stop feeling so confident <laughs> yeah, out there. Yeah, exactly, and comfortable that things are going to work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah. You're not that protected. Yeah. Well, the you know every uh, parent wants to buy their child when they their child when they turn 16, 17 an SVU. Right. And uh, you, you get these gas guzzling Tahoes and Yukons on the street and it's just accelerating, um, you know, uh, uh, green, greenhouse gases, yeah. Armageddon, road warrior type scenarios at, because but, you know, and no one's going to be safe if everyone's driving in the exact same uh, weight class vehicle. Mm. 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 I think uh, cars and bikes should all be equipped with guns. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can like hash tanks? it out street justice yeah. style and the cops won't have to get involved. That's true. Now we're talking. Yeah. I'm from Texas. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm yeah. just kidding. I'm not a gun guy. Every citizen has a gun. None of the cops have guns. So <laughs> yeah. they're all very good at... Uh, De-escalating? At, yeah. That would yeah. be a good way to teach cops to do that, right? They all have to get a DVD copy of The Negotiator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's in their manuals. I don't know. Do you, but do you not feel like you're constantly... I feel like I'm constantly like walking around in fear because of these bike lanes that are being built in New York City. I know this is such a not cool thing to say, and (laughs) I'm like looking for you to convince me that I'm wrong, but like, I'm sure more people, I I think bike riders die more than than non-bike riders, but I feel like I never know how to cross the street anymore. If you had less cars in the city because everybody was riding bicycles, then you would be able to walk up and down first, second, and third avenue. Like those would be giant sidewalks. Right. So you're saying like, okay, but that's like the absolutists, right? That's like abolition, like car <laughs> abolition. So we're not there yet. Just, I just need to, I want to be, t- I guess I'll have to talk myself out of this position. I, I, my I, I, take on this as someone who's been riding bikes and walking around and driving cars yeah. all at the same time is that like. Whoa, that sounds really dangerous. Well, not at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like juggling chainsaws. <laughs> when you're on the bike, you're like, oh my God, these people are so slow and these cars right. are so dangerous. And when you're walking, you're like, who are these crazy see, pedal right. people? Right, and right. These cars are trying to pushers. kill me. Right. And then when you're in the car, you you know, you know right, it's right. a, a relative thing. Yeah. Um, 
And the solution to this maybe is just like to try to everyone try to snap out of this like zombie headphone funk. Yeah. Room. I know we are making like headphone know, material. Here. Right. <laughs> but we're going to encourage you to take a pause right now. Go run around, <laughs> yeah. take a five minute walk and then come back. Yeah. Look oh. around when you get angry about the government. Yeah. Now, the other thing that's interesting is that uh, at least in New York, we all get a lot of walking time in. Right. Uh, but what I noticed was that no matter where we were in Amsterdam, everybody, since everybody was riding bikes, uh, ageism, doesn't it? It felt like old people were more active. Mm. I'm looking at met like a ton more old ladies and old men, just like old people, no helmets, just riding bikes, cruising down the street, yakking on their phones. And when you're there, when you're like stuck in a funk, it's nothing better than hopping on a bike and just, you know, pedaling down the right. street, getting yourself a fresh baguette. Mm-hmm. And just all these blowing off some just, steam. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, everybody's a little bit more active, and I think it definitely changes uh, their mentality. Interesting. Yeah, they um, say it's good for you to walk. Yeah. Off, so it's probably like a similar thing, right? Sure. Yeah. And um, I saw happy moms. Interesting. No tell, about, tell us about that. Moms, all these moms with like three or four kids just hanging off of them like little koalas, Aww. and they're riding bikes. <laughs> no one's got helmets on. Oh, really? Soft. Ha- see, Wait, this so, is okay. the American in the nanny state. That's crazy. That's worried about lawsuits. I got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I'm gonna say. I I will give you this much. I appreciate that if you're not wearing, if your kids aren't wearing a helmet. If you're not wearing a helmet, don't have your kids wear a helmet either. What you see in the United States is helmet-free parents with helmeted kids. And that is just an orphan situation waiting to happen. Like uh, you guys yeah. either both wear helmets, mm-hmm. so you both make it. That's how you make a Batman. Right. What, what you say? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's how it happened. Yeah, yeah. Maybe unofficial story. Yeah, orphan um, superheroes, man. Yeah, maybe. So maybe it is a good move, depending. Anyway. You know what I mean? It's like, it's such a weird, I've always thought that was weird visually. It's like, hey, I'm too cool to wear a helmet. I don't like the way it looks on me or it's not comfortable, but I want my kid to wear one because I don't want them to die. But if I get like, you know, taken out by a a truck, it's my choice. But my kid doesn't have a choice yet. So let me give them life. And when when they're old enough to be like, vain like I am, they cannot wear helmets. I'm putting a lot of judgment into that and I'm going to own that and acknowledge that. Dude, but, I'm walking down the street. I'm watching people smoke weed in the cafes. Yeah. And this is like the updated 2018 Vince and Jules Pulp Fiction story mm-hmm. about Amsterdam. But it's like, and then the kids and you see the kids walking by in broad daylight and everyone can smell the weed and none of these Dutch children are being uh, corrupted Hot by the boxed. fact that tourists are smoking weed in their city. Right. It's like 16% of the Dutch people in the city uh, partake in drugs. Right. Which, or eat, try them. So it's like not really a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like it, we, they did the best job of making drugs boring. Right. Drugs are like super boring. No forbidden like, fruit there. You go into the coffee, you walk by the coffee shops and you're like, look at this hot topic. Like, I'm not going to go in there. <laughs> right, right. I'm going to hop on my bike. Right. And go get myself some fresh bread. <laughs> I went to um, Amsterdam, God, I think it was like 2011. And I was do- I went there to like f- visit my friend, finish up editing a documentary I was working on, and really to get over a guy. That's right. Yes, this was that's your eat, right. Eat, pray, eat, love. Eat, pray, love, it's smoke. the best way to forget about anything. <laughs> yeah, right? But here's the thing. First of all, I'm like the most uncultured person ever. This is a confession. I think I'm the only person who spent over, I spent like two weeks there. I didn't go to the Anne Frank Museum or the Van Gogh <laughs> Museum. Not Anne Frank Museum, sorry, Anne Frank House. Right. Van Gogh Museum, Anne Frank House. Yeah. Tiny, tiny house. Tiny house. Yeah, right. I didn't go to it. Uh, one person, by the way, uh, 
Justin Bieber, of course, did go in my stead to Anne Frank's house. I don't know if you know about this. He did go to Anne Frank's yeah. house and um, he signed the guest book there. And uh, he said, truly inspiring to be able to come here. Anne was a great girl. Hopefully she would have been a believer. Um, and the, the, web, the, the Anne Frank house posted that message on its Facebook page, which is kind of funny. This was back in like 2013. But... That got a lot of attention. I, I mean, the believer part is offensive, but for, for some reason I find it funnier that he was like, Anne was a great girl. Like, that's just such a funny understatement <laughs> of someone who's like diaries kind of shaped a generation of understanding of the Holocaust and like, and resilience. Yeah, she was pretty cool, yeah. if you ask me. She was all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she would have listened to my podcast, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think it really would have resonated with her. Um, but yeah, the believer part is really kind yeah. of funny. Yeah. Um, podcasts are great if you've got a lot of time and you're cooped up. And you oh can't my really- God, totally. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Not going anywhere for a while. Yeah. yeah. Stamps.com. Check out iHeartRadio. Oh my God. So beautiful. And oh, the men. Okay, I'm just going to be a little objectifying. Like, I thought they'd look like blonde hair. Let's, Let's do it. Tea. Let's sip some tea. Yeah. The men I thought would look like blonde hair, blue eyed, like like um, what's it called? Like Heidi, like male versions of Heidi, yeah. you know, from that story. Um, but they were very. They almost had like your guys' coloring, um, like mm. dark hair, tan boys, tan, but actually not really. T- for, like take that olive? back. No, yeah, but like a paler olive, maybe not olive at all, maybe just a dark hair. And I was like trying I don't think to you be went inclusive. To <laughs> no, they have dark hair though. <laughs> the New men, Jersey. they're they're t- <laughs> they're tall. They're tall. First of all, it's the tallest country. Did you know that? Yeah. How tall are you guys? I'm like 6'1". 5'11". That's it? You look taller. Hey, you know, I just no. project. Yeah, I yeah. Slouch. That wasn't an, an insult. Six, yeah. So uh, they were very, and as I've said before, I tend not to be attracted to, to men who look like they would have effortlessly survived the Holocaust. Sure. So yeah. like blonde hair, blue eyed. I love it. If you're... I, Look, we all have. You're like more into the a Woody Allen. <laughs> no, no, I do not like people who look like stereotypes of like Nazi stereotypes. Um, somebody who wasn't involved in the Holocaust at all yeah, on either side. Yeah, no, uh, I just like people who look a little bit more less like Aryan. But again, it's I don't have a strict type. Like if I like you, you know, we can get over that. I'm like we can get over the whole like six foot five blonde hair, blue eyed um, strapping thing. We can work on it. No, I tend to not like the blonde hair, blue eyed thing. Although, guys, if you're out there, I'm open. Um, but so I was really pleased. I thought the guys there were so good looking. And they're like the tallest in the in the world, Dutch people. It's the tallest country, apparently. That sounds right. Yeah. Sure. I'll co-sign that. Yeah. Have you been there? No, I just I'm aware you with, know uh, the, you know, you, stereotypes you and things about yeah. various places. Right. They're the mountain people. But they're less blonde than you would think. They're yeah. like brunette, dark haired mountain people. Yeah, I mean, I guess like your stereotypical uh, Norwegian person you think of is the elf from right. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer right, yeah. or whatever, because some of them do look like that, right. but not everyone right. does. And I guess Norway and, Amst- and, and Holland are different. They're, That's yeah, the takeaway. Yeah, That's say. the takeaway is that I think I mush them all into one. Yeah. I'm like Austria, Norway, Holland. Boom. You know what, what else is that they're all so nice that no one ever right. yells this distinction at you, you know? Right. No one's right, ever, right, right, don't right. erase me, you, yeah. I'm uh, from Sweden, yeah. not I mean, from whatever. Right. There's, a, there's an Austrian I know of, no longer with us, who maybe would have, uh, <laughs> who wasn't the nicest guy, but he definitely wouldn't have wanted to highlight his hair, his coloring and hair. And of course, you know, I'm speaking about, may you R.I.P. die in a bunker, uh, Adolf Hitler. Sorry. 
Keep going. I was like, is this one of your exes? Oh no. It's Adolf <laughs> yeah, Hitler. That's his nickname. It's my nickname for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a it was a fantastic trip. And I, I hung out with a friend there who uh he's got a Dutch wife and they had a kid in Belgium. Ooh. And I was like, Oh my God, you, you know, you moved out of here to have kids. And he goes, Gabe, look, uh the entire medical procedure, everything, having the kid, uh staying multiple nights in the hospital. And then renting a bed for me as the father to hang out in the room with them, 90 euros. Oh, my gosh. So Belgium, 90 euros to ha- for all the um, natal needs. Let's just, I just want to go and have a kid just for, to get like a, an yeah. affordable trip to Belgium. I know, I know uh, women who have moved to Germany uh, just because they wanted uh, to raise kids really? affordably. Do they have a partner? Do they? F- no. So they just, just go get pregnant with a so- German dude. Oh, they get... Okay, do they... Yeah, uh, that way you just stay and, like, have kids there. Do you have to do it that way? Can you get pregnant here and then go, oh, crap, I need Reverse to... Reverse anchor, I baby. I to go over to Germany and right. get this taken care of. Yeah, better. I think... I mean, I, I don't Not think they kick like you that. Not taken yeah. care of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might be able to do that, Interesting. you know? Well, soon, though, you might have to. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, it just sounds so much more affordable. Yeah, it is, uh, I bet. And people had, people look like they were less worried yeah. there. Because they know if they fall into a canal, everyone will help chip in with the rescue. And, and then not, their medical bills will be yeah. covered. And you're not chasing um, deadbeat dads right. for alimony right. or child support. The state's kind of taking care of all that. They call the state daddy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the nanny state, the daddy state. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Daddy state. Um, <laughs> so, Jake, let's talk about uh, you and your life and what you're doing and what you're up to. Tell us about how you sure. got into uh, comedy. Um, sure. Um, I think. What's I, your origin story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was riding the back of a bicycle. <laughs> I had a helmet on. My Mom, father did not. He was run over by Mark Marin, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> suddenly I feel this urge to do introspective confessional comedy. No, um, but with great power, it comes great, great responsibility. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, I you know I think like a lot of comedians, I can trace it back to real, real, real young years. Um, you know, I watched Nick at Night when I was a kid, mm. and watched Comedy Central, and you know, I was always kind of in there, but um, I forgot about it. I, I I always like telling stories and stuff like that, but I it didn't really occur to me to try stand up mm-hmm. until you know well after I had sort of left my hometown, which is Houston, gone to college in Austin, which is this artsy town. Um, were you what were you studying at, in college? Um, psychology, mm-hmm. English, all sorts of useless crap. Um, really, just not knowing what the hell I was doing, having you know big existential crises. Um, unable to pay for any of it mm. uh you know going through weird fits of depression and stuff and um sort of all of that culminated in like just a lot of writing and then mm, being a man frank yeah diaring diaring yeah <laughs> yeah spent a lot of days in a dark apartment you know you understand <laughs> yeah. you get it. i get it okay yeah, yeah. Listen, life that's why she would like my podcast that's yeah what I was saying. No. listening to justin bieber too <laughs> yeah you know at the time i think <laughs> was he a thing back then? i don't know um what year do you what year did you graduate i guess i want to say roughly 11 years ago i started i was like 19 20 okay. something like that um and it was the world is a lot different of a place as we know and also i think uh culture and and the comedy world itself is a lot different and just in that like you know 
when I go back to Austin now, there's like it's like New York. There's a comedy show in every bar, right. and there's a million places to do this sort of thing and outlets or whatever. That, but it was a very niche thing when I started. There were like two shows in town, and when the third open mic opened, it was like a huge deal. Game you changer. Know, suddenly, you could do this three nights a week instead of just waiting the two or whatever. You know, and it's a very small, close knit scene. Everyone knew each other. Um, and the industry was a lot different too. There was like a contest in my town, and like if you won it, you're pretty much guaranteed like you're gonna Fame get on and TV fortune. and stuff. And I then sort of continued to do uh, stand up through like the years where that changed entirely, and now we're at the end of it. We're like, you know, you can be on TV all the time and still be homeless. Like I have a friend who's like frequently homeless and is like on TV. You know? Killing it on TV. Yeah. yeah. It's like everybody's got a Netflix 15 minute special. Yeah. So so can you tell us like a little bit more about your background in general before you even started this? Like you grew up in, in Houston. Yeah. What was your um, family like? Like po- were they political? You're uh, um, like, no. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my family's kind of all over the place because um, my dad's Mexican and he comes from a family of, um, you know, immigrants, obviously, who came here um, sort of the um, the in a, in a specific fashion. Like a lot of people don't understand that there's d- different types of immigrants, uh-huh. I think, especially like in a place like Texas, where there's, you know, this border and all these political disputes over immigration, illegal immigration. Yeah. Yeah. My family immigrated legally a lot, like a a couple generations back. Um, and, um, what's the word, uh, assimilated really hard. Like they all got government jobs Mm -hmm. in San Antonio. Um, didn't teach their kids Spanish. That's why I'm like pretty much, I have a little bit of it in Mm -hmm. my brain from when I was a kid, but I'm like taking Duolingo right now to try to get back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) they should sponsor this episode. (laughs) Um, and how many generations ago was this that they came? Like um, your grandparents were born here? Grandparents came. So that makes me what? I never understand that. Second or third. I always get this mixed up and I always get like 17th century is 1800. Like grandparents. And then they were born in Mexico. Yeah. And do you know where Mexico they're from? Um, our family, originates from way down to the tip just the tip yeah <laughs> just the way down to the tip yeah place called merida oh Merida, i've been there yeah, yeah. um but i mean it's their history pretty. is also kind of hard to ta- track because there's like and a lot of like a lot of people with latin families will tell you like there's like um jews se- muslims there's like secret marriages and stuff like mm-hmm. that and all sorts of weird you know spooky like uh <laughs> you know i don't know it reminds me of it's very like um, like the movie Clue or something like nothing is, is what it seems, mm-hmm. you know. So like, um, my grandfather wasn't actually really my blood grandfather. Yeah. I'm actually by blood. My last name should be Valdez. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this remarrying and all hmm. this stuff. Um, but still Mexican. Yes. Okay. Um, and we're pretty uh pretty deeply entrenched in Mexican history. But Ooh, my tell. great my grandmother's great great i'm gonna mess up how many greats it is but she has an ancestor who's this guy named juan jose arredondo who uh was basically like one of the first anarchists to to go up against um porfirio diaz uh which is the guy that um you know zapata and uh pancho villa sort of like revolted against Mm -hmm. in the mexican revolution right so before they really got off the ground he was um 
like a like an anarchist who was one of the first people to sort of like you know try to try to attack him and 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 didn't really work out I ended up fleeing to St. Louis I think and he started an anarchist blog. Blog? <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm sorry, not a blog, a, um, a zine. Like a, yeah. Okay. Like, I was like, would... he really was an innovator ahead <laughs> right, of his right. time. I'm sorry, not a blog, a, um, a, like, zine, a yeah. like a newsletter. Right. The reason I said blog is because in my head, I always imagine like, oh, this is the first podcast. Like, right, right, right. Stuff's in my blood, you know? Right. He was a pamphleteer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was his name? Juan Jose Arredondo. Which How do you spell the last name? I'm just going to look. A-R-R-E-D-O-N-D-O. A-R-R-E... A R R E N, no, I'm sorry, E R E D O N D O. I get that right? Arredondo, Arredondo. Okay, you're yeah. not gonna find much. All right, I'm doing no, no. research myself, yeah. and it's pretty hard well, to we track can start, down. Yeah, yeah. I be, what if I was like? <laughs> it'd be funny if I found him, and he was actually like a, an Uber capitalist, like mine <laughs> owner in Mexico or something. Yeah. All right, we're gonna look. Yeah, well, guys, listeners, if anyone does stuff on. Um, Mexican historiography and anarchism. Give us a shout. But anyway, sorry. Keep going. Yeah, actually, please do hit me up if you find anything on that because I'm I'm in my free time trying to trying to research this guy, but there's the language barriers make it a little difficult. We can help. Um, I speak Spanish. Cool. Um, And then my mom's family. um, I mean, they were from the country. You know, she was a runaway, uh, but has since sort of you know reconnected with her family. Which which country are you talking about when you say? Oh, my mom. My mom's white. She's like straight up a country hillbilly you know from kansas or whatever um she had a uh a mom named i'm not making this up her mom's named diane her her, uh, dad is named jack wow and jack eventually like they divorced because he was deep voiced gay springtime country singer all right um it's crazy (laughs) wait he was what he had a huge deep voice and he was a country singer but he was gay wow yeah interesting so they divorced um was it the country singing part the deep voice part or the gay part that really got to her i think it was the combo combo of the three (laughs) just too much to stand two of three maybe so can we get the lps yeah (laughs) yeah wait is he on spotify Uh, no i don't think so (laughs) i gotta track down some of that too yeah yeah um i want to see the album covers (laughs) you guys like a very you got like like a blog, blogging, CDs, all this stuff in the family, yeah. Yeah, I know. You think you know. You think you made all these decisions yourself, right? But, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's in your blood, you know. Right. So, um, but my mom, you know, is very poor. Um, sort of meets, I think, my dad, who's, um, you know, also poor. I mean, he's from family of immigrants, but he's like, you know, in college and he's going to become a chemist and all this stuff. Oh wow! And they moved to Southwest Houston. We live in this like crazy. Um, sort of like um it's like a like a it, it's hard to describe because I, I am not very like hood but and so i think a lot of people when they i tell you like oh i'm from like this part of houston that's not like the suburbs necessarily people will go oh you're from the suburbs right. you know and that's i don't care but right. um just not true if yeah if you <laughs> if you um are aware of like Houston rap scene, like Swisher House and all that stuff. Like the, I, from like where a lot of that stuff was coming out mm-hmm. of. You're chopped and screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a chopped and screwed high school years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my youth was uh, just soaked in lean. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, I grew up there, and um, as you know, because I think I grew up in like that sort of area. I what I would do is I you know I'd leave and go hang out with these like rock and roll kids in the suburbs and stuff and had this big dream of like oh I'm going to go to college and go to Austin and like be around you know um 
intellectuals. And I think I honestly, and this is part of why I think I became a socialist eventually, was I had this big dichotomy of like, poor people are dumb and rich people are smart, uh, you know? And right. I go to college, I'm like, oh, well, that's not true at all, you know? Right. And sort of started to, it tempered my worldview a but little bit. But you considered yourself poor, so it wasn't like, it was like a self, it was like, it wasn't as problematic as it would have been if you were rich and thought that. Is that right? Or am I? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. It's not good either way. No, 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 I know. But, but yeah, I'm just wondering if like you probably saw it as, yes, I wasn't like, I wasn't certifying that view, <laughs> but I was just wondering where you saw that yourself in that lineup. So you're saying yeah. you kind of had that like, oh, these people I'm around, they're dumb. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. A self-loathing thing. Right. And like also a hillbilly elegy. Uh -huh, exactly. Exactly. And the, the reason that's a really good point is because that's um, I think there's a lot of parallels between the, the stuff that he's talking about, a hillbilly elegy and just like the concept of like getting out of the hood, like being the exceptional one right. or whatever. Or, uh, maybe the, meta the narrative of Hamilton, <laughs> this orphan from Barbados or whatever, yeah. coming to com becoming a self-made man with the founding fathers. Yeah, for sure. Rubbing um, elbows with the local aristocrats, right. which, as we know, is a very like, uh, you know, weird neoliberal myth, mm -hmm. you know, the exceptionalism, like right. you do better than everyone else and you can make it out of your neighborhood and become someone who codes or whatever. Yeah, it's still uh, it's still an elitist idea. It's just based on uh, the, the the myth of meritocracy. Exactly. Yeah, right. totally. Right. Well, the neoliberals would be like, if you got we'll give you the opportunity right. for the talented ones to make to it thrive and rise up. Right. But really talent is it's still biologically determined, like you're born with the talent or not. Right. They don't want egalitarianism. They want to like lay level the playing field so yeah. that so that it's like more, more merit based that you succeed uh, unfairly. Guards. Yeah. Yeah. Or like <laughs> or like so that like the poor people who suffer are really not that smart as opposed to they don't want to waste smart poor people suffering. Yeah. All all of that plays into it. Yeah. And it's just like all very in keeping with, um, you know, uh, weird social Darwinistic right. like Chicago School of Economics worship of um capitalism and the free market as being this thing that has this golden formula to right. it that will naturally um, like fix all this stuff right. and level it out. I think the argument that a lot of these people are putting forth is like, no, no, just subscribe to this and you'll see eventually this will, Shake this out, will even, even out. these things out. But right. it's, you know, obviously not going to. Right. Um, like a diverse top 10% instead of a straight white male cis 1%. Yeah. That's like the aspiration. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, it just raises all these interesting questions like, um, you know, something I think about a lot of is like, you know, when you talk about these exceptional people, what about unexceptional people? Like, don't they have a right to right. That's basic a big difference between uh, amenities and, in society, right. you know, um, if you, if you have a political worldviews that, you know, that you, you should sort of earn your healthcare and right. stuff like that, what you're saying is these people that by no fault of their own, aren't the one exceptional person in their high school or whatever, don't have a right to right. all this basic stuff that we believe in as socialists, healthcare, et cetera, or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's really gross. It's, it's in some ways it's worse than just over like reactionary conservatism because it's, it has the, it, ha it has like an air of equality to it. And it's just not. It's uh, that's what's like so insidious about yeah. it that people don't get because you right. know it gets easy to be kind of intellectually lazy and be like, well, this, this one side's better than the other side right. or whatever. But the liberal types that that get away with this stuff are they're doing something much slyer, which right. is they're putting a nice face on all this stuff, yeah. and they're like, you know, 
like the Sandman, you know, they, they let you go back to sleep, you know, right. they sort of give you this, uh, this pass and that you voted for right. the blue person. And, you know, you, you, and then this is like the, I'm describing the people that I hate that I'm constantly right. like, Oh, don't worry. You're in a safe, this is a safe space. <laughs> Gabe, is, Gabe is like, I think has PTSD for me constantly bringing it back to like Hillary supporters. <laughs> At this point, it's not even Hillary. Honestly, it's like, I expect stuff from her. It's the people who claim to be, feminists and anti-racists who are constantly like yeah. I, they're her well, anyway we can talk about that later yeah well i mean it's all like it's all one big grift it's, right. it's the same thing with the hillary people are, are like they're kind of operating on the same psychology as like um people who i argue with a lot in comedy about um my f- main thing lately has been uh nanette which oh yeah talk I about that found. tell us about that yeah I, it's i'm beating it to death i understand i think it's kind of funny but i also have like a friend who texted me like no enough and i'm like right. i understand i understand just so people know about this because i don't know if all the listeners do sure, sure. just like she this is a comedian she's um uh hannah gatsby gadsby uh and nanette is her her stand-up special and uh that's what yeah and she's a queer woman and um she's a lesbian i think australian Uh, yeah um and the special is kind of good and it's kind of bad some of the stand-up is bad the arc is kind of interesting it's got like a narrative to it or whatever it's all over the place it's a one person show yeah it's one person show and then that that uses stand-up but it's being couched it's being presented as a stand-up special and that's making everyone's minds like it's bending everyone's <laughs> minds because half of the critics are saying this is the best stand-up special ever because they've never been to a queer slam poetry right. one-woman show <laughs> storytelling event in their lives. And I don't know. I think being in New York, I, I know so many queer comedians who I think their jokes to me are like maybe a little bit more riveting. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's you almost know? like infantilizing. It's like if you if you listen to Hamilton and you're like, this is the best rap I've ever <laughs> right. heard. Yeah, and then you write a think piece where it's like, this is the future of rap music. Yeah. It's insulting right. to the art form, yeah. right? <laughs> and, um, to the, and to rappers who aren't that. Yeah, those, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I listened to that episode <laughs> on... Um, Hot Damn America oh, with uh, Louisa. That was great. It was really interesting. Yeah. Your, the analysis of Nanette. <clears throat> um, it's, for me, it's so interesting because it like, you know, every once in a while a piece of media comes along that perfectly embodies a lot of these these things we're talking about in terms of meritocracy and yada, yada, yada. And uh, um, and and the liberal tendency to to put a nice face on something that is actually isn't that good or whatever and so <laughs> and i'm not accusing the net of that but it, it, i bring it up because it reminded me of those types of people in particular um i have a friend who was like really homophobic you know 10 15 years ago when it was like in vogue to be so like it, you were respected for being a bully in like comedy for example yeah um and and he now is a person who you know, gives me tons of shit for not liking Nanette and uh and he's he loves it and he takes all these pictures at pride events and shit. And I He's I, straight? He's an ally? He's yeah, straight. He's <laughs> he's an ally now, you know. Ten years ago he was homophobic. Right. And like uh, I at, think at this that, rate he could be coming out pretty soon. <laughs> right. I don't think it's the case though. I think um he's actually just so I would I think what happens I, I think about this guy a lot and I go, well Ten years ago, you know, he was he was saying some pretty mean shit, and uh, you know, um, but everyone was sort of rewarding for it. You were rewarded for be you were rewarded for being like a Daniel Tosh sense of humor ten years ago, right? Yeah. Um, 
And then now you're rewarded for being like, you know, Hannah Gadsby was great. And if you didn't like her, you just don't want to hear a woman talk or whatever. You're trash if you don't like her. Right. She's not bad. And that's not bad. Yeah, it's yeah. more the critics, uh, the way that she's been couched Gadsby's in uh, bad, yeah. the pop culture conversation. Right. Yeah. It's she's a neutral case. thing in the middle of it. Right. And then what's just, interesting right. is all the stuff that happens around it. But I just, I keep thinking about my this So person. the critique isn't about isn't of Gadsby. It's about the way that she's being received and, and present and painted. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have some critiques of her, but sure. that's a whole other thing. We can do, yeah. We can but do that for the bonus. When you think about people that 10 years ago were homophobic and now they're very, very pro this thing, you go, well, they didn't actually change. They're not now uh, better. Right. What is rewarding yeah. to you as an idea? identity to put out into the world that's what changed it's right? the zeitgeist changed right. yeah and so they're right. it's like inflation right like it used to be okay like they've stayed the same the rest of the world has has moved oh yeah so yeah, it's yeah. like it's like um inflation adjusted pricing like if your wage goes from like fifteen dollars an hour to twenty five dollars an hour over 50 years it's not a higher wage so, like, if they get less homophobic over time, and they've just, like, developed with... Well, I guess what I'm saying is, like, you know, the words you use are just, you know, you can change the words you use in society, and, and that's good. I mean, you should be more aware of the impact right. that they have on people, but... Yeah, th this is not a pro-homophobia episode. <laughs> yeah, um, it, I, of course. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm uh, kidding. <laughs> but if all you're doing is changing the words and not you know, doing a lot of the nitty gritty, like internal soul searching stuff that culture is good for, um, then, you know, you're not, you're not really, a, you didn't really change as a person, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess some people, I, we have this tendency to all say the right words, but then still like, if we're given an opportunity to, to be like really vicious towards someone that will still totally be really vicious, right? If it's like acceptable and it's not, you know, saying any of the wrong kinds of slurs right. or whatever. Like, I, I can't think there's kind of something inside of people that is maybe, um, maybe more worth addressing and looking at than just like saying the, the right words. Cause like, I, don't, I just overheard someone say the other day, like, um, you know, I, I, I have a workplace and somebody used a slur and then there's a conversation being ha had about it in like a, an office or something. And somebody said, well, what you got to do is tell them not to say these words because if they don't say these words, then eventually they won't think them. Right. And that's a uh, very language privileging. Yeah. It's a very commonly accepted uh, theory, I think, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's true. Right. I think you're just, you're just addressing the, the symptom Packaging. at the end of the thing yeah. and not like the root of the problem, you know? Um, right. Like to, I mean, it's like, I don't want people to be like, so instead of calling Katie a kike, what you should call people who are cheap, run the media, and um, loyal agents of Israel uh, are Jews. Yeah, like that's missing the point. I'm just using or that just example. Globalists. Globalists. Yeah. <laughs> like the point is, you want them to not think about that person that way. But right. Yeah. As and opposed I, to just changing the nomenclature. I guess the parallel I'm trying to draw here, and the reason this made me think about politics, is because like um, neoliberal politics kind of operate the same way, where they're like, you know, address the the symptom at the end of the problem and not the disease which is something you know way more like globalism <laughs> well like um, or just like make the whole thing nicer and then pretend like it doesn't you know really i was thinking about that like i was in uh 
North Carolina in Chapel Hill, and they had this one, my friend Robin uh, Freuhardt uh, had put up an art installation at the current art space there, and it's called the Plastic Bag Store. And the Plastic Bag Store looks like a bodega or like a 99-cent store, grocery store, and inside all of the items look like food that you would buy. Um, but then you look at the packaging, and it's it's all, everything inside of it is plastic bags. So there are all these water bottles and the labels on the water bottles say like uh, gyre water from the Pacific. Mm-hmm. And then there's like little pieces of plastic particles inside the pla- inside the bottle. Or uh, then right next to it is all of the this fresh produce. And I put the produce in air quotes, but it, like the all of the carrots are made out of uh, plastic bags, huh. you know, and all okay. of the onions are made out of plastic bags. But then, you know, the labeling still says like organic right. salad. Interesting. And right. so like within the, like uh, you'll take an idea like that we should recycle or that we should be green, but then, uh, then capitalism just packages that back to you and says, well, it's organic, but it's still coming in like a plat. The salad you're eating is still coming in a plastic yeah. single serving container that you're going to throw into the ocean. Yeah. Directly into the ocean. Right, right, right. So like who cares that you're eating healthy or like that the product has a, a name like Enlightenment or right. Purity Yogurt and right. it's a single serving plastic yogurt container. Right. Yeah, I really hesitate <laughs> to use this term because it's like kind of an alt righty term or whatever. But there's, you know, this concept of like virtue signaling, which is I think the alt right uses it in a very dumb way and whatever. Those people are idiots. But like right. there is a truth to which I think it's a danger in liberal spaces because what it does is it get you gets you off the hook mm-hmm. for just sort of like congratulating yourself for having done something that like oh i i you know i i bought a reusable straw or whatever all this stuff is like in my opinion sort of insufficient right. unless if you're not like going full on left with us we had a, well it's like the conundrum of being an ethical consumer like the nike thing that happened oh recently yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. colin kaepernick becomes the uh, spokesperson for nike and then all over twitter for a couple of days if you're not buy- if you're buying nike's you're woke if you're not you're an evil racist with right. your new balances but then Nike is uh, contributing five times the amount yeah, to Republican Republicans. candidates. They're not even the normal libs. They're like they're not even like corrupt like DNC donors. They are like actually giving to Republicans. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you got to make your own shoes, man. We all got to go Let's, out there and just become cobblers. No more foot prisons. Yeah. And, and also, you know, what, someone we're going to have back on the show actually is we interviewed Tony Smith, who I know from growing up. Yeah. She turned her back on the American flag at a college basketball game. Um, during the Iraq war. And so actually the the episode we did with her was called before Colin Kaepernick, there was Tony Smith and Tony, I just saw her this weekend and she's like, Nike is awful and corporate. And like, uh, she's not down with the Kaepernick's decision to become like the face of this sweatshop using Republican funding corporation. Um, I thought it was kind of weird when it happened too. Yeah, everyone and, was so yeah. excited about it that I, I didn't really. And it reminded <laughs> me of the Obama thing in that, like, I'm not comparing Kaepernick to Obama at all. But the thing that I find similar is that there's like a vitriolic, you like the football, virulent, virulent like racism towards Obama. There was some. There's that towards Cap, and there was that towards Obama. And I feel like I remember. It's like you can't critique the person. Like it's work. You have to do the work because you have to both defend the person or at least critique the racist vitriol being hurled at him, but also say like, yes, and this is problematic. And I think it's really hard because you feel like you're betraying that person and you feel like you're kind of letting the racists win when you jump on that bandwagon of 
criticism, even though it's a totally different bandwagon or it's not a bandwagon, it's a vehicle and it's from the left as opposed to from the right. And it's about like, it's about politics, not about a person's race. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if you have a take on anything in the current landscape that has nuance more, that is more than like just extremely binary, then you're just opened up to be completely torn apart by everyone. We should tell people who are like that. We should say that they're perpetuating the binary and that they're like, yeah, yeah, right. And that they're uh, transphobic and gender queer phobic. I'm intersectionally non-binary and that it's from a Marxist perspective. Well, I have to say like, not to like hide behind this person at all, we're going to have Tony on. She'll, she'll speak her truth, but a little preview for a hot take. <laughs> I can feel the hate mail coming in already. Uh, um, well, it keeps the fires no, it's, it's going great, yeah. around <laughs> um, both of our apartments. <laughs> yeah. So you, um, yeah, it's, would you want to talk about your, uh, your own comedic, um, what one of your most, I guess, controversial moments came, uh, sure. through Twitter. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, Extremely online. Yeah, I mean, one of the millennial extremely online masses. Um, you know, I I love stand up, and uh, it, there's people that tend to be like purists about it, and it, it's the main thing or whatever. For me, it's my art. Like, I don't really compromise it much, but I also don't have much success with it because of that. Um, and you know, for whatever million reasons. But uh, I also am online quite a bit, and it's another facet of what I do. Yeah. And um, I mean. A bazillion tweets. You can look at my page. It's some horrendous number. It's um, what is your um, feral jokes? Yeah, F E, uh, feral. Just kidding, feral joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, my handle on everything is feral jokes. It's an anagram for my name. My name is Jake Flores. Uh, it's I didn't the even letters. That. Yeah. Wow, that's um, cool. very clever, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, Twitter, or whatever. Uh, but I happen to be really into Twitter, just as a. I think I think a, a comedians. The way I've always understood it are sort of a stand up comedians are sort of like doing something that's a hybrid between performing and writing. So a lot of them, in my opinion, are, you know, you, you watch somebody go, oh, that's a performer. That person is like they probably also act or whatever. Right. And then you watch some people and you go, oh, that person has the brain of a writer. They're, you know, right. clearly, um, you know, focusing on things like joke structure or themes or whatever. Right. Um, so. Hannah Gatsby, by the way, I think she's a writer. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, that's why I like her. Um, yeah. But um, I, I think I'm, I'm that type. I just kind of self-identify as a, a sort of a joke machine. So that's <laughs> um, your pronoun? Uh, yeah, joke Damn. machine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I'm on Twitter a lot. And, you know, I'm trying to make this all make sense. So I'm also part of, the, I would say, this dirtbag left mm-hmm. sort of circle on on Twitter and in comedy and um, a lot of the stuff I'll tweet about will be, you know, specific to politics. I think that's what, where Twitter kind of lives right now. Mm -hmm. It's a very political website. Um, Used to be many years ago, just sort of a thing that people would write jokes about just absurdist jokes. And I think, I think unless maybe it's just my feed, but it seems to me that the whole thing with Trump and everything just sort of became like, since he's on it and it's, he's the boss of this video game. um, (laughs) He's the King Koopa of uh, Twitter. Yeah. Um, So I, you know, was tweeting about ice a while back because I'm not a fan. Um, Hot take. (laughs) And I think it should be abolished. And I think it's a pretty horrendous and, you know, it's pretty obvious that the, uh, 
underpinnings of fascism are starting to boot up and, you know, put themselves together. And um, I don't really think uh, that there are any half measures that should be taken Mm -hmm. when it comes to ICE being this sort of American Gestapo. Um, (laughs) And also only was in existence since 2001, which people forget. They think it's like... ICE is so young that ICE could be held in a cage by ICE and separated from its family or whatever, right? Um, Yeah, (laughs) it came about during the Bush years. Um, And even then, it wasn't really even what we have now. But I mean, it is important to understand, like, yeah, it was been here through Bush, you know, post 9-11. Obama deported tons of people. Um, It's not unique to Trump, but it is getting worse. You know, Uh, his administration is sort of capitalizing on a lot of more xenophobia. Right. It's like the gun. Ice is the gun. It was always on the table. And now Trump is using it. Yeah. Obama had it. And Obama so shot a few people he, with yeah, the gun. Shot, yeah, shot a <laughs> yeah, few people with yeah. it. Also, you know the big difference because you know that statistic that Obama deported more people than any other president. That's actually, and I'm not, we're not, I'm not an Obama apologist at all. But like a lot of that is because of the change definition of deportation. Mm. Now that doesn't mean that he didn't deport a lot of people and that we give him a blank check. But apparently that is the real like reason the numbers change so much. Oh, interesting. But we had, I had like Karina, I never know whether to say like Karina Moreno or Karina Moreno. I don't know which one is like offensive, one's pretentious. (laughs) I don't know where to land. I I Um, think you're screwed either way. Yeah, the right, right. I think it's funny when people overdo it. (laughs) Um, So, but she was talking about how much Obama really like empowered Trump um, by putting all these people, making all these people's names, um, an info available to him well, to do. The reason that happened yeah. is because the Democrats were so cocky that they were going to win right, again. That right. They set up all these apparatus right. that if they had won, right. probably wouldn't have fallen of into course. such Some, devious right. hands. hands right. um, you know, right. but that was obviously clearly short-sighted. Yeah, it is an interesting and hard thing to walk right that line between like totally um, whitewashing Democrats. And also the false equivalency. Like we, I think there's a nuanced thing where it's like, they're not, it isn't a false equivalency, but there's some danger in like, like the insidiousness of it. Right. But we didn't have people like the vitriol that we have now with Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, But like some people just totally like deny anything was wrong before and make this look like a total departure. And then some people I think downplay, I think Trump is both like unprecedented and also very much part of American history. If that makes sense. Sure. Well, like, yeah, he's uh, both at the he, same time. It's funny because people, you know, like to go, this is not normal. And it's like, well, this is actually just the logical end of yeah, a lot of exactly. stuff that was yeah. already happening. Right. It's pretty weird, but right. it's like, just the it's mask like hands off. off. Right, exactly. Like when he said that women should be like punished for having abortions and people were so scandalized, like that's just the logical outcome of the Republican <laughs> position. They're just like inconsistent because they know it's a, um, like not good branding. Yeah, it's but just that a is more literally what it is. Way of saying it. Yeah, but if it's, it's a you're crime, the same right? Thing. If it's if it's if it's murder, you don't like you want to punish murderers. Just just own it. And to that, he's not even anti-choice though. That's the irony. He to that politics. Yeah. <laughs> to that point though, I mean the it's it is disturbing that people will listen to a Democrat say pretty much the same thing and just say it nice and then right. be completely okay with it. So. I think uh, we should sort of. You mean be, like a pro quote unquote pro life Democrat, or just uh, not not so much pro life, but I mean like issues like crime, for example. Yes, right. Crime Abortion is, is one of the issues where there is a big difference in discourse, but crime, yes, I would say that's true. Like right. a lot, of, a lot of people think that they're um, you know big allies with people of color and things like that, and people that are targeted by the police, but will be Kamala perfectly Harris, yeah. 
you know, perfectly fine with someone like, yeah, like Kamala Harris, like being a, a cop, which right. is something is a danger to people of color. Right. Um, and so that the, the being a uh, DA, right? That's what she. Yeah. I think she was a DA. Um, but someone has as their, like there's a big Twitter person who's like Twitter, Twitter handles Kamala Harris is a cop. Beth Lynch. Yeah. Right? I think she, it's on you, Beth. Just kidding. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 um, but anyway, like, so yeah, you're right. I mean, it's weird. Some people overcorrect with the Obama thing right. and they go, um, you know, oh, these people are actually worse. And it's right. like, no, no, it's not, <laughs> it's not that bad. I mean, like, I I still I I think we should push farther to the left, but right. it's also not like a huge tragedy if we end up with a Democrat. I don't know, I don't know if you yeah. should say it out loud. You shouldn't overcorrect. I mean, right. there's an overcorrection to where you become like a completely deranged right. leftist. Um, Adam Johnson, who's from Texas, also you know him from um, Citations Needed podcast. He's yeah. this media critic, and he's like. I mean, he's like to the left of DSA. He thinks DSA. You know, just to give you a sense, uh, I have like, plenty of friends like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Left I mean, I think light. we all are too in some ways, but that's a different issue. Anyway, the point is, he says like he he's a huge critic of Democrats. He's a critic of Bernie. It was very uncomfortable when I when I have him on my show. Sure, yeah. Um, it feels like treason. Um, but his <laughs> point is like yes, and like Demo like Republicans are not the same as Democrats. Like the like there are white people who think black people like shouldn't exist or be living side by side. And he's from El Paso or San Antonio. I can't remember. Anyway, oh, cool. so it was just an interesting point i think that's like a, a reminder which yeah. doesn't mean there's not like an institutionalized racism perpetuated by dems but like you were saying it's hyper correction or non-binary yeah. argument it's exactly. got multiple facets right. to exactly. it you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway um so like i guess back to my uh twitter thing is uh i i was sitting around thinking about all these things that i think about you know and these are all this is all of all of everything we've discussed so far probably culminates in in uh, the thoughts that were swirling around in my head that day. I mean, it, you know, it, I do think culture is distracting. I do think liberals are mm -hmm. sort of uh, placated with mm -hmm. like, you know, Netflix specials. Yeah. Netflix specials. Yeah. Uh, well, I kind of like Buzzfeedy but... sort of like fun, uh, self-congratulatory right. identity politics. And uh, there's not enough direct action being done, which is why I was sitting around on Cinco de Mayo thinking about how there's ice and it exists. And there's also these weird articles about cultural appropriation and how it's such a silly thing to be arguing about while ice exists. Like I was just sort of balancing mm -hmm. those two things and going, you know, it's kind of funny that like people think that this is so important and I can't get them to get up and go do something about this. Right. Like horrible thing that's happening you know but it's the more fun more attractive thing to argue about is cultural appropriation because right. it has all these psychological underpinnings i mean i think it has a lot to do with people's guilt you know or um people like to share the buzzfeed articles that are sort of about like uh you know some video of some white person acting horribly in a restaurant and then share it in their facebook feed and go we need to do better and right. it's like, what is this self-flagellation right, right, you're yeah. doing you know also like wow that's a brave take like you really <laughs> yeah. think you think we need to do better than like calling people the n-word right yeah like, <laughs> it's like so obvious thanks for having such high standards yeah <laughs> and i'm a little bit of a cultural appropriation apologist being someone who's like from texas right. and I, i'm like i think you guys maybe up here sometimes don't understand like the food i like tex-mex food i'm just gonna put it out there tex-mex is cultural appropriation right, it's it a good. fusion of the two things it's the best that yeah. dairy that came from texan white people and the mexican food oh my god it's great yeah. right i think uh some of this stuff <laughs> often exchange gets mistaken for like mm, racism right. a lot right um so it's, yeah. it's a thing that i think is um exchange versus conquest 
like yeah it's not always there's yeah 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 and i mean you know that there are instances where you know you can see like i mean god i was in the street like a few days ago and i saw some uh some European tourists that were just here wearing like Native American headdresses and stuff. And I was like, these people are like, this is a sick joke, right? right. You're like, you're like, something is, this is not right. okay, you know? Right. Yeah. So there are degrees to this but stuff. It's not the priority of, <laughs> it doesn't have the urgency of ice. Yeah. Right. Um, so I tweet, it tweeted out this thing. It was like, um, and, you know, it was it was crib notes for a stand up bit, which I've since like I'm going to record like I've went on tour with it and I've got it down where I oh, like it. A 15 minute bit. I feel great about it. Um, but the idea was kind of that, like, you know, a way to solve both of these problems maybe would be is if you just let white people be like kind of a racist and do the cultural appropriation stuff. If they like, I don't know killed an ice agent mm. you know <laughs> like did something direct like that and since since then i've figured out like through beats and stuff how to like tease that point out mm -hmm. and make it Ooh, like the punchline mm -hmm. but you know it's twitter so you just right. throw a bunch of stuff right. in <laughs> it's like earning uh earning uh uh greenhouse gas emissions credits <laughs> right. you get you get you earn some racist credits because right. you know you want to do it right so. <laughs> so and this is because this was the cinco de mayo thing is because there's a lot of discussion about how cinco de mayo is not real in mexico and it's a it's a commercial made-up holiday that gives white people a chance to just drink margaritas is that why and wear some Sombreros yeah. too. Is that the Cinco de Mayo kind of hook? Well, uh, so I mean, that's a good point, and I do agree. Um, but the only reason that this has anything to do with Cinco de Mayo really is because that's when the BuzzFeed articles right. come out, and I just was thinking about right. it because it was happening on my newsfeed, and I was going, "Oh God, okay, this thing is happening." But those were the like that's the point the BuzzFeed articles were making. We're like on Cinco de Mayo, let's look at. Um, I I think maybe those do exist, but more I think the 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 point. The thing I'm reacting to yeah. is just the my uh, culture is not your prom dress thing. Okay. Right. Um, or just the just the general scoldingness right. and the fact that it's clickbait. Yeah. And the, the that's really the main thing. The fact that it's clickbait. It's not really about fixing the problem. It's yeah, just sure. about right. this mindless, meaningless catharsis. circle jerk catharsis yeah, sir, of yeah. identity politics right. that we have on the internet in place of actual justice. Right. That's my point. Right. Um, but you know, people don't get sued over what the point of their jokes were. People don't get in trouble for what the subtext the was. Yeah. They get in trouble for what the actual words were. And then you end up in like a Lenny Bruce situation where right. you're like yelling at the judge, like you're doing the joke wrong. The right. joke isn't about, um, you know, okay, the why did the chicken cross the road, right? That joke's not about chickens. It's about expectations. Mm -hmm. The punchline is, what do you think I was going to say? Right. He's going right, to the right, other right. side of the yeah. road, right? Um, so this bit, I think was supposed to, the subtext of it was supposed to be like, you know, we're obsessed with this Buzzfeed shit when, you know, real problems that require direct action are happening. And then I just structured it in a way of like, um, you know, the two jokes I was thinking about when I was like kind of working this bit out or, um, there's a Dave Chappelle joke that's like it's real cringy and it's like it pushes you and it just keeps getting more and more uncomfortable and it's the joke on one of his specials where he's like what if there was a, a superhero that he was a rapist but he saved like 10 more people than he you know ever yeah. than ever for every one person he raped and then he keeps going he rapes but he saves but he saves but he rapes you know and he just keeps pounding this fucking point in and it's like you know you're on the edge of your seat like Ugh. that's the like right. punchline i was going for the joke um 
And then there's like the Louis C.K. I don't know. By no. By by the way, I know both these comedians are problematic or whatever. If <laughs> but um. You know, and Louis C.K. also does kind of jokes about like that, where he's like, you know, um, he kind of does the but maybe thing at the end. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the way the joke sort of functions is like, listen, you, <laughs> you would really technically be allowed to be a little bit racist if you were way, way, way unracist in right. another way. Anti-racist. Almost, because. Yeah. No one would really get mad at you about the little stuff right. if you were to do any direct, you know, actual action, right. <laughs> action or whatever. If you saved a family from right. being deported, right. no one if would. If you liberated children from cages, from cages right. Right. or sexual abuse, you would be allowed to wear a sombrero and a poncho. Right. That would be your gift, your thank you gift. Yeah, because it's what I'm talking about is like your white guilt, favor. I guess. Right. It's like, and then it's just the the more you the more extreme that you take that concept is like where the the joke was kind of, right. and it was like. You know, the, the the way I'm doing it on stage right now is it gets to like a full on punchline where it's like, yo, if you just ended ice, you could just be racist. Right. right. Like, who cares? Yeah. You could mean it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, um, because people would just like people would all know who you were and they'd right, be like, right, no, right. that guy's cool. You yeah. Know? He gets sombrero privilege. Yeah. But um, anyway, the government didn't get what I was saying. Because obviously. you, you <laughs> said because it included killing an ice right. officer. And so because I wrote about killing an ice agent um i think that tripped their um their their like algorithm algorithm like their automatic word search thing um (laughs) which is weird because you know i mean like you think about like you know rap songs called like cop killer and stuff like that and like um tv shows where there's shootouts between characters and stuff i mean it's this is a specific i guess to like twitter and the art form of comedy um it's so easy to mistake something as being facetious for being real an earnest call to buy it yeah yeah or to purposely throw like i might in my case i think a lot of people would purposely just act like they didn't get it yeah. in order to get mad about it that's why comedians get in trouble so much it's because um you know your thing can be taken literally and then you can be attacked for it bad faith outrage right. yeah oh, i got that a lot exactly just on twitter and the show too <laughs> so you tweet you send out that tweet uh-huh. like what what time like um, it was like the middle of the day on Cinco de Mayo, and then I went out that night and went to a show and had a good time, and you know, got drunk and went home. And I live in this big crazy loft, um, it's kind of a squat. Uh, and I was like sleeping on my couch, and the next morning, you know, bang, 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 bang. These uh, this is banging on the door. And I thought it was the guy who is coming to fix my toilet. Mm-hmm. And they're like, finally. <laughs> yeah. And I just woke up in this hungover haze and I answered the door and there's these four Homeland Security agents. They've got badges out. So you knew right away that they're Homeland. Like you, you just knew that, that there were some kind of agents with badges at first. So they have their badges out. They say Homeland Security. Okay. Yeah. And then but then it like, you know. Think about it from my perspective. I was like, what? Why? Right. You know, I didn't. It took me a second. Yeah. But then honestly, within like five to 10 seconds, I was like, oh, I think I know where you're here. Right. Um, I get it, you know. Um, and so I don't remember whether they came in or whether I let them in or whatever. I honestly don't know what people like, keep asking me about that. And I'm like, I don't know yeah. what to tell Is you. Is ice like vampires? Can <laughs> they not come in if you don't let them yeah, in? Right. Yeah. Or they're just very, like, very nice. Uh, has very good etiquette. They're like, we're not going to come in unless you unless you invite us in and offer us some tea. <laughs> so we have all day. We'll stay outside your doorway. Do yeah. you know why we're here? <laughs> no. Why are you here? <laughs> you want to guess why we're here? <laughs> um, I think that uh, 
So, so they came in, and then what? Did they like search you? Did they like interrogate you? What happened? No. And what's weird? Well, so sort of. I mean, I think if I had resisted, this might have gone differently. Right. Um, but I just was been arrested a few times mm-hmm. uh i didn't really find myself in a position to be the guy who shuts the door and goes, oh, you need to get a warrant or Are you whatever kidding? yeah i would never do that i'd probably like piss myself on it a lot of people seem to think i should have done that but also the other thing is <laughs> you that, should like, have how could you not have <laughs> the other thing is that like um you know i don't really i don't really smoke weed or mm-hmm. anything like I, i'm just a drunk so there's right. not like really anything illegal for them to sure. bust me on i right. have roommates and stuff and right. that is worrisome because they don't need this right in their yeah, life and um you know uh but i don't think anyone was really home so anyway we just end up discuss like sitting down in my apartment you're and like, like let me explain this you know <laughs> cultural appropriation yeah <laughs> and so and they were like taking pictures of everything and um you know, there's like, I don't know, there's just four of them. So there's just one, there's doing weird stuff that I, I can't tell if they're testing for explosives or whatever sort of stuff. One guy's got an earpiece in and he's twisting knobs and stuff. There's like an Egon there with like a, uh, <laughs> like one of those ghost meters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Checking for spectral emanations. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, I had this goth roommate who had moved out but left all his art in the place. Oh, no. And so, like, they were taking pictures of, like, this big upside-down cross and stuff. And I was like, oh, <laughs> right, <thanks. laughs> they think I'm, like, the crow or right. whatever, you know? They <laughs> yeah. think I'm, like, this crazy gothic, right. you know, terrorist guy or whatever. Um, and so, it, you know, they, they sort of go, you know, what you said could have been insightful. You know, are you do you plan on doing anything, mm-hmm. et cetera? And I just had this really frank conversation with them because I was hungover and I'm a comedian and right. I, don't, I don't have anything for them to really intimidate me with right. other than arresting me. And I've been arrested. Yeah. I'm not really that terrified of it. I was like ready to go. You yeah. know, you're like, uh, yeah, you my a cigarette bag. and a Pedialyte yeah. and I'll tell you anything you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and I'll weave some tales, <laughs> spin some yarns for you boys. Have a seat. Yeah. <laughs> Were you like, have you ever had nachos? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you read Tex Mex food, yeah. it's really good. What do you federales want to know? And that's why. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, so they asked me about everything and I, you know, I told them like, look, I'm a comedian. I think you know that. Right. You clearly looked me up, you yeah. know, at Feral Jokes, by the way. Yeah. They've got your uh IRS statements from last year and they're like, <laughs> Yeah, you're definitely a comedian. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and so they asked me about, you know, what could could you what if what you said had been like insightful to someone else? And I said, like, listen, if you're worried about insightful people, like, why don't you, what are you, why are, why are you fucking with Alex Jones like right, right now? And this was like when Roseanne was still on the air and was tweeting all about Pizzagate and stuff. And I was like, right. hey, fuck with Alex, with Roseanne, you know? Right. You probably didn't say fuck with, right? Uh, I think I might have. Wow. Yeah, I really have a bad mouth when it comes to cops sometimes, huh. and especially hungover. Like, right. I was feeling very nihilistic, you right. know. Um, and I also just like was like, let's have this conversation. Yeah. And I think if I actually explain this rather than like, you know, sometimes if you, you try to twist a little bit right. and get out of something, you can make it worse. So did you do like a pillow where you're like passing a pillow? Like, you know, <laughs> the, that communication technique? No. They did it on, like that? Breaking Bad. It's like you pass a pillow so people don't talk over each oh, other. Oh, no. You like hold the pillow, then you pass thing? it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I mean, honestly, it was really... I mean, I have a table like this in my yeah. apartment for podcasting. So it was like, we're just a bunch of guys Gather sitting around. around a table. And I was like, you know, listen, yeah. cowboy, if you're going to take yeah. me in, this is the way it's right. going to be. But I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. Because right. I, I 
I don't know. For whatever reason, I'm a right. person who does. I don't. And were, how did they respond? Were they like? Well, it was fucking weird because the guy was like, uh, you know, I told him like, listen, a joke is a work of fiction. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't believe that you thought that this was actually real, but I understand that, right. you know, maybe it was your job to come ask me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, um, I also don't believe that, like, this is this is really fair that this is a threat because there's this Alex Jones right. Pizzagate sure. stuff going on. And the guy was like, yeah, that's good. Like, good point. Right. Like, he, like, for whatever reason, I don't know if he was just placating me, like, to mm-hmm. try to draw information out. Right. Or if he was, um, you know, actually legitimately. With you, yeah. And I, on some level, think, you know, the systems are insidious, but individual people are just people. And I kind of think this guy might have just been like, "Eh, all right, you know, he's just doing his job, run of the mill, um, you know, routine for Mm -hmm. that day or whatever. And I told him that and he said, like, okay, that's a good point, you know, and he's just like. Okay, so we had to like make sure that you're you're not a terrorist or whatever. But I was he was so easily won over. I was right. like, well, then why the fuck are we doing this? Right. You know, why did you? Send I guess in four theory, people? he could have come over and he could have found you with like books on how to kill ICE agents. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, if you're just if you're responding to tweets with right. that in mind, like, yeah. what does that tell you about you know? Right. Also, act- it took you long enough. You're really a threat. <laughs> Yeah, long, you know, be right there. That's our tax dollars. Yeah, are, are paying for these agents. Molas- slow to, as molasses. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened? So how long were they there? And then what happened? Did they take you in anywhere or no? Just- no, we had this conversation, and you know, I started telling them about like organizing and stuff, and they seemed to like, not know anything about it. And I can't figure out whether you're like, they- wait, you don't know about D- you're not a DSA member. <laughs> but really, if you're in the government and your job is like you're in Homeland Security, you would think you would un- you would probably know about burgeoning political movements, right. especially if you deem them to be a threat, right? Um, and he said he didn't, and I just <laughs> you're like, let me play you this really good song called Joe Hill. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys should go check out a paid, or paid or protest show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I st- I'll never know whether he legitimately didn't know what the DSA was or if he was playing dumb to try mm-hmm. to get me to talk more about it. Um, and I, you know, I just told him whatever. I believe in organizing. I'm not a fucking terrorist, you know? Right. Um, and, and then, but then it ended with, um, you know, him at, Sort of, we got into a conversation. He asked me if I had any questions for him, which is really weird. You're like, what's your sign? Yeah. <laughs> uh, who are your guys? Yeah. You know, where do you come from? Um, <laughs> what's, what's your spirit animal? You're like, you got, you mind if I turn on my podcasting equipment? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I start playing the guitar, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I sort of ask him, I'm like, well, what do you, th- like, why are you defending ICE? Like, what do you, what are you going to tell me that this, this, this guy was black, white, uh, this guy was Latino? white. There was a like a um, Middle Eastern mm, dude in the group, and the other other two guys I believe were white. Um, so, I, you know, he had started to talk about police shootings, and I have a lot of experience talking with people about police shootings, including police. And he got into a line of, I think, arguing that I. I Isolated real quick and recognized, which is that he started isolated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he started to say, you know, you guys, uh, you guys don't understand that um, these shootings, you know, they happen this many times also to white people right. and that, you yeah. Know, right. Yeah. The same old stuff they rattle off. And what he's trying to describe, I think, is a situation where he thinks that 
you know, we don't understand that police 99% of the time they're doing something that's good benefit society, but these right. little incidents are being, you know, blown up yeah. and used Seized to on by the media narrative and, by, yeah. and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, whatever. I don't agree with that in the sure. police uh, instance, but I at least understand how the argument works. Yeah. So I go, hey, wait, 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 what about ice? Like, yeah. if you think that's true, what sure, is ice right. doing that I'm not seeing right, that right, is right. the other 90% All the non-breaking right? up families and, yeah. Because as far as I can tell, that's what they're there for. Yes. You know, it doesn't seem like they're Like, they doing... have a quota. Yeah. And they're like, okay, this guy uh, was uh, caught drunk driving 10 years ago and we've got a rap sheet on him, so let's go right. camp out in front of his house until he comes home from his job. Yeah. And then uh, drag him away in front of his kids and his wife. Right. Yeah, and it's but it why don't they like, recover that good stuff like that? <laughs> it seems like this this homeland security guy would have me believe that they were you know oh ice often helps uh, get you know little kitty cats stuck that right. are stuck in trees. Old ladies cross the street. Uh, yeah. like does Cory Booker work? Like cleans out the shovels your snow in front of your house because that's what they said. Goes into police. burning houses. Yeah, right. So I tell him like you know okay what's what is it? And he goes oh well ice fights human trafficking. Oh right, and. Yeah. I have uh, sort That's of so been funny, yeah. involved in some organizing around um, sex workers' yeah. rights, and that stuck out to me because right. there's this bill called SESTA FOSTA yeah. that was, is really bad for women and for sex workers. That was, you know, spearheaded by Kamala Harris, yeah. and it's bad. Um, but they got liberals and Democrats yeah. to uh, vote for it, and Republicans. Um, and, and then you got like Rand Paul to right. oppose it because he's like a bro. He is. Bri- when he's right, he's right, and it's yeah. rare, and he's awful and racist, but that's another thing. It's not that deep. There are bad people who are right for the wrong reasons. Anyway, sorry, but yes, that yeah. was an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So um, the thing about this bill that a lot of people still don't know is bad, um, Amy Schumer and Seth Meyers came out and made, oh, a, no. fucking, yeah. made a puff right. piece for it or whatever, um, is that it's it's actually, if you look into it, it's very it's gotten a bunch of sex workers killed. Yeah. It's it's pushed by the patriarchy. It's pushed by far right wing people. They just don't want women to have autonomy over their own bodies. Um, it doesn't save anyone. It just pushes people into a black market. Right. So anyway, the way they justify this horrible That's bill so interesting. Yeah. is with alluding to human trafficking. trafficking right. The bill fights human trafficking. So and I, we just had. Um, oh, sorry. No, I good, you good. Well, we just had this week. I just put it up. Uh, I interviewed two a sex worker organizer, Lola Balkan, who's the CSA, I and Eve goes by Eve, who's an actual sex worker. Um, and because Julia Salazar, right, she's like made history by being the first person, successful candidate in the U.S. to run to win a state election as like an op- openly calling for decriminalization of sex work. Yeah. So I had two guests on last week. And we were talking about Sesta and Fosta. And one of the big things is, and we also had the black podcast on, the, uh, that, that's what their podcast is called, uh-huh. um, the host of that. And they talk about sex work all the time. And it's like, the thing about Fosta and Sesta is that trafficking is not the same as sex work. Like trafficking is inherently, you are forced to do it. And a lot of academics or like fem- professional feminists or so-called feminists are like, well, aren't, how, much for- how much free will is there really? When we live in patriarchy labor. Well, yeah, it's like, okay, sure. But every other job that applies to every other job, like that applies to people who work in McDonald's that applies to people who work in like, uh, like whatever, any, anything basically that's just not a fantasy dream job. Yeah. Um, and Lola had this great line. She was like, don't like, she's like fight patriarchy, not sex work. That is like one of the ways that people respond to not having choices. Like, 
And it's a no-brainer. It's a, it just pushes the stuff underground. Like you think you're saving people by making their job that much more um, like black market, that much more in the underbelly. Yeah. And we actually am releasing soon an interview with Connor Habib, who is a sex worker advocate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's funny you said that because, yeah, it's like this. I think that there are lots of people who aren't the evil, like right-wing Christians who are who want to take away women's autonomy. There are those, but sure. I think other people, it's so easy to not get it. And you just hear trafficking. You're like, I want to save women who are right. being like brought across countries. Well, that's and, why there's yeah. a million Netflix documentaries. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's like, it, it's, you know, it's a half truth and it's right. really dangerous because it makes people think that they're doing the right thing. Right. And it also like takes priorities away from the people who need to be like helped who are being trafficked. Right. Like, because that's include, a real thing. That's too. a real thing. Right. So like if you include someone who's, and it can range from people who have a lot of choice and privilege to like not a lot of choice and privilege. And that's the other thing. It's this dichotomy. It's like either you're like a woke feminist scholar who's like reclaiming your sexuality and problematizing, interrogating patriarchy and heteronormativity as an escort, or you're like, you know, forced into this by uh, uh, like your father or something. Yeah. Like there's no in between. And it's like, I mean, Melissa Jira Grant was on the show years ago and she made this point. It's like people love talking about sex work, but they don't really like talking about the lives of sex workers. Like, I don't I don't care about what you think about sex work. Like, great. That's interesting. Like, we can have a debate about that. But in the meantime, what are you going to do about like, do you want people to live yeah. more or you know, more with more dignity and more you safety? You know where it's legal? Where? Amsterdam. Amsterdam. <laughs> oh, my God. Full circle. What about, how about that, huh? Yeah. yeah. That was a great. Yeah. And then they go out. They go really hard after traffickers. Yeah, right. You so, see? You know, they're like, all of it right. is legal up to this area. And then once you get to trafficking, it's like, okay, now we're going after that very specific crime. Well, yeah, because you're talking about like a black market thing, right. what we have, which is similar to like, you know, why is there more crime when a drug is illegal? You know, because there's this black market right. scenario. Um, and it, you know, it shows you that the people that are pushing a lot of these laws aren't actually, um, they're lying to you about what they're invested in. Uh, so, or they're ignorant about it. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the two, right? Well, yeah. I mean, well, a lot of people involved in pushing or getting SESTA-FOSTA passed, I think, are ignorant. And then the people that are actually, yes. like, at the back of it that created it are evil, right? Because um, something that's important, important about it is that uh, if you look at after SESTA-FOSTA got passed, like, you know, all these people got arrested. And none of them got arrested for trafficking. Right. They got arrested for sex work, just plain old sex work. But they had the law that was passed because it was it, on the right. on the premise that it was it was this anti-trafficking law used against them, right? So that's a good parallel for ICE because ICE is this thing that is going to get passed on the premise that it's to fight these insidious human traffickers. And then right. all the tools, all the trucks and gear that they bought with that money that they got from you know us, or not us, but people thinking we're fighting human trafficking right. right that gets just used against regular old people that just want to live their lives or fleeing violence that we help create exactly. in countries that we help destabilize and yeah and they, their crime is like literally wanting to not be killed yeah and so i told all this to the yeah. human to, to the homeland security guy and he went what's the sesta fossa and i was like what Pause. okay hold on you know and then i explained <laughs> the whole fucking thing to him and he was like that's interesting and then he left 
Um, uh, I thought I'm, you were going to be like, you know what? Through, here's my badge. Here's my gun. I'm going to become a sex worker organizer. No, it was the weirdest moment. He either didn't really know about any of this stuff or he was playing dumb. Right. I don't I, think he knew. I bet I you he doesn't he know knew. about that or DSA. I don't yeah. think he yeah. knew. You should have given him a, you're like, hey, can I get your email? You right. want to come to the, the next B, um, Bronx, Upper Manhattan? Oh, no, you're in Brooklyn. So yeah. what would that be? Lower Manhattan, Brooklyn, uh, DSA? Uh, North Brooklyn. North but, Brooklyn, yeah. You know. He's got a, he, look, he's got a nine to five. He doesn't have time. He's yeah. not on Twitter. Right. <laughs> you know, that's a lot. Of, it's a lot of information to take in. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's like a cool. Yeah. We should we should have him on the show. <laughs> For sure. We'll, su- we'll serve him like nachos. We can get him to defect. He'll be like one of those uh, yeah. those FBI agents from the, the oh 70s. Well, you guys, I feel like we learned so much today. We learned a lot about um, we talked about Amsterdam. We talked about bicycling. We talked about Sesta Fosta with sex work. We, we talked, talked about, about Mexican anarchists. Mexican That's anarchists, true. zines, and how zines were basically blogs before their time. <laughs> um, we're looking for, for Jake's uh, ancestors. Mm-hmm. Please reach out if you've seen any any word of his um, <laughs> of his uh, anecdotes. And um, Jake, tell tell people more about where they can find you and your podcast and where you're performing and all that jazz. Yeah. Okay. So um, as always, at Feral Jokes on everything, um, I keep a lot of my shows that I have coming up pinned to my Twitter page. Um, I'm going to get better about putting them on my website. But also, also, if you want to catch a live show and you are in New York, um, keep tra- keep tabs with me because I'm going to announce soon mm-hmm. a, uh, a regular live show. Because nice. I have had people coming out uh, that listen to the podcast and stuff to like live shows and just like spots I've been doing. So I figure we should have should do, like a party once a month. We'll yeah. all hang out and stuff and we'll get, you know, cool drinks and stuff like that. Um, but uh, the main place you can catch me is on my podcast, Pod Damn America, which is my leftist political comedy podcast. Katie and Gabe have been on. Um, we do an episode a week. We've got a Patreon bonus feed. We got everything. Um, check it out. Uh, we've got some really cool guests coming up. Um, yeah, but I'm all over the Internet. Awesome. Thanks, guys, so much for listening to the Katie Helper Show. Um, we will see you next week. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at KT Helps. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S. You can find Gabe at... Gabe uh, underscore Pacheco on Twitter. And uh, I also have my film podcast, if you want to check that out, is Eat, Pray, Judge. Eat, Pray, Judge. And um, you can use the hashtag KT Helps Show. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S-H-O-W. Make sure you rate and review us on iTunes. Just write a couple sentences. It's fun. Just do it. It's, it's we a good time. Love it. We read all of them. We read all of them. In fact, we can do that. Let's. Um, we're gonna. We'll have. We'll read some of them next episode that we do. Sounds great. We're also gonna set up a like a line, like a Google phone number that you can leave messages for us, and we'll respond to them. Um, and um, go to patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Awesome. Cool. I feel good. Like I knew that shit. All right, awesome. Yeah, that was it. That's all she wrote. And to hear that little short story about me in Amsterdam, you can go to patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. More bonus episodes are coming soon. See you next time. 